The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. What they do in the name of love is they compromise. They, they actually think by lowering the standard, they're going to help people. You know what it's like? It's like doctors don't want people to feel bad. So we say, well, if your cholesterol's around here, it's okay. No, no, no. What's the standard? What, and why? Because it's for people's own good. Coming up, author and host of the national radio show, Line of Fire, Michael Brown answers the question, how should Christians respond to gay activism? and we invite you to come and attend the tapings here at Life Today. Check in with us and find out who our upcoming guests will be. I'm James Robinson. My wife Betty and I welcome you to Life Today. Outlasting the Gay Revolution, Eight Principles for Long-Term Cultural Change. I believe that Dr. Michael Brown has written a book full of truth, motivated by love and by compassion. I'm really glad he's here. I said to him in our private conversation, I believe you're a gift to the church, to all of us. I believe you're a treasure. And with all my heart, I pray that you'll have the wisdom that only God can give to literally hone all of us with holy friction and correction and point us in the best way possible, each one of us. And I really believe that's his heart. That's what he wants. So I want you to welcome the one who has the radio program, Line of Fire, and he's in it. And he's in it with love, even though some people are very unkind and critical of him. But I'm really glad he's here as our guest. Would you welcome Dr. Michael Brown to life today? Dr. Thank you. I, I want you to touch on these uh, eight uh, principles for long-term cultural change. You really, I believe, touch uh, necessary nerves with a healing bomb, in my opinion. It's, it's like a diagnosis from a very reliable doctor who says there's a situation here. We've got a challenge. Yeah. Here's the best way to deal with it. And let, let me just read these eight off. Never compromise your convictions. You, you know, tell me if I'm right in this. I, I've said based upon Romans 1, when you change the truth of God into a lie because you've decided to worship something that he created rather than the creator, you, you then profess to be wise, but prove to be fools. But you're also given over to certain actions and bondage that can take you even into extreme and unnatural attraction, ultimately to reprobate thinking. So we must, no matter what happens, we must never move the standard to accommodate our failures, our sin, our wickedness, or our rebellion. You agree with that? Yes. We hold the standard up as the church, correct? We hold it high, hoping that it has the magnetic attraction that Christ said when he's lifted up, he'll have. I don't believe we should ever take the standard and use it as a club on people who've missed it. I believe we've got to hold it up. I see you doing that. So when you say never compromise your convictions, you're saying don't move the truth to accommodate some action. Exactly. Even your own misgiving. Many times we want to seem loving. We want to seem accepting. So if we take a stand saying marriage is what it's always been and what God intended, the union of a man and a woman, and once you redefine it, you render it meaningless, and we take that stand, but now we're going to seem unloving. Now someone's going to be put off by that. If we say the Bible is clear, 
Homosexual practice, like many other practices, is sinful in God's sight. We're going to be perceived as hateful. Or the flack will come, the junk will come. You get vilified. You, you get called all kinds of names you never thought you'd get called. Church buildings have even been vandalized and things like that. People don't want it. So what they do in the name of love is they compromise. They, they actually think by lowering the standard they're going to help people. You know what it's like? It's like doctors don't want people to feel bad. So we say, well, if your cholesterol's around here, it's okay. No, no, no. What's the standard? What, and why? Because it's for people's own good. Proverbs 27, verse 5, open rebuke is better than secret love. Proverbs 28, 23, he who rebukes a man in the end will find more favor than the one who speaks with a flattering tongue. Mm -hmm. If we really care, it's not just love wins, love warns. But we have to first draw a line in the sand. Why do we believe what we believe? What do we, are we even sure about these things? People need to dig into the word. They need to come to their conviction. And then once they understand it, doesn't matter what it's going to cost you. Jesus never said this was a matter of convenience. Look, here in the West, we're worried about losing our reputation. You go to the Middle East, Christians are worried about losing their heads. You know, we're afraid someone's going to unfriend us on Facebook. Whereas you got people being tortured to death. You got kids being buried alive and crucified That's right. around the world for the, for the gospel. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up the cross. So in American Christianity, this is the way we preach it. This is who I am. This is how I feel, and God is here to please me. The biblical message is this is who God is, this is how he feels, and we are here to please him. So we draw a line in the sand. You know, people say to me, Mike, you've got so much courage. I think, what courage? This is just normal. This is breathing. This is, this is what the Word says we live by. We it. can't help but speak the things we've seen and heard because we've seen and heard something. Exactly. The lion has roared. Who can but fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? So once we understand the life and death nature of certain issues and the importance of certain issues, whatever they are, in God's sight, that's where we start. Never compromise your convictions. What I find, maybe I'll speak at a pastor's event. Maybe there are 400 pastors at a breakfast and I'll, I'll give a message. At the end, I'm getting a standing ovation. You know why? They're saying, we're standing with you. Your courage has encouraged us. Mm -hmm. So each individual, mom and dad, kid in school, educator, someone like Kim Davis, a county clerk who feels she can't issue same-sex marriage certificates, wherever it is, you, you come to your convictions, not in anger, not in hatred, not in self-righteousness, but as Martin Luther once said, I, I can do no other. I've got to stand here. Never compromise your convictions. That's where we start. Haven't we come to a point in our society, though, that we're trying to do away with wrong? I mean, there are some things we do that are wrong. Yeah. But we're trying to say that everything's okay, whatever feels right, whatever yeah. feels good. So it, to me, it's like as a parent, when my children did something wrong, I called their attention to it. And I, and I told them, I said, I love you with all my heart, but there are consequences when you do something wrong. Mm -hmm. And you must, pay, you know, you must realize that. And you have to be disciplined for that. But that doesn't mean I don't love you. Because yeah. I love you. It's not and and the fact is, the love is seen not just by those words, but by track record. Yeah, right. uh, just watch my life and let's, mm -hmm. let's observe over a period of years and you'll know who really loves you. You, you know mm -hmm. who cares and who doesn't care. The other thing is, we're in society today, everyone's a victim. So, so the, the one that just went out and killed people, yeah, but he was rejected when he was a kid. Probably so, yet he's still responsible. So, so we've, we've gone now. It's not just moral relativity, mm -hmm. right? 
but it's also truth relativity. You have your truth, I have my truth. Mm -hmm. and, and then you have these churches. No, there's the truth. Yeah, yeah. you have these churches. I, I say that they have the celebration of ambiguity. You don't know what they believe. You hear the preacher at the end of the message, you have no idea what he said, what he believes. And everyone's like, I like that. They, they, say, they say, listen, they say, the journey is more important than the destination. I said, I would rather have a bad journey to heaven than a great journey to hell. So we've got all this, it's kind of mumbo, spiritual mumbo jumbo. We, we need to say, listen, there's right and there's wrong. And the reason we say it is because God's ways are best. That's a premise through the whole book. God's ways are best. And by living by God's ways, we outlast the gay revolution. All right, let me read some more. Now, this is not Dr. Phil, it's not Oprah, so it means we have less time than yeah. Dr. Phil or Oprah has. Here, here let, me, let me, I'm going to read three more of the eight. That'll, that'll give four. And then you pick any one of them you want to expound on. Take the highest moral ground. Security, sexual purity, trumps sexual anarchy. Refuse to redefine marriage. Okay, I've touched three more of the eight principles, and we've got four more. But any one of those you just want to expand. Sexual on. purity. By the way, get the book. He he really does it incredible. He is gifted, anointed, brilliant, and he effectively communicates truth in print. We want to underline nearly every sentence in it. But it is spoken with conviction and courage, but in love with undeniable compassion. All right, of those three, I just... Sexual purity trumps sexual anarchy. What we need to understand is the larger American culture today is a culture of sexual anarchy. That it's the same culture that's embracing homosexual practice as the same culture that embraces people living together out of wedlock, having kids together out of wedlock, uh, nude dating shows on TV, uh, shows celebrating polygamy, shows celebrating polyamory, even shows that celebrate adult incestuous acts. It's all part of a decline into sexual anarchy. Now, we're told that America today is much more accepting of homosexual practice because we're more tolerant and enlightened. Well, a little bit. I mean, you know more people that come out as gay, you have more care, compassion for them. But it's not primarily because we're more tolerant, it's because we're less moral. And I demonstrated, I've got charts with polls where we go through it and you can see that the same people who affirm homosexual practice have no problem with divorce. Uh, they, their, their views on polygamy, they've shifted, going from 7% approval to 14% approval in just a few years. Uh, the society is embracing sexual anarchy, but that's self-defeating. It can go on long-term. A lot of what I do in some of these early principles is demonstrate where gay activism has really gone. And when people see, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it went that far. I didn't see it as part of a larger culture of sexual anarchy. The problem is that cannot be sustained long-term. Sociologists who study human history and civilization have seen that the civilizations that thrive long-term are based on healthy, committed marriage and monogamy. And when you get away from that, things collapse. So at the end of that chapter on sexual purity trumps sexual anarchy, I just give some studies that talk about the long-term fruit of sexual purity. So you say, what do I do? The world's so crazy. You can live a pure life by God's grace. You and your family can live a pure life. You can model it for your kids. So it's not just a matter of what the world is doing wrong. It's a matter of what we can do right, simple ways of life that long-term will be established by God. Yeah, 
And when the standard reveals that we're missing the mark, or we're held captive or in bondage by some appetite or compulsive behavior or some unholy, ungodly, unbiblical attitude, we too need to be corrected by the standard. Yes. And in the marriage, heterosexual sins are just as, as great in the sight of God as the homosexual. And there's some practices that maybe have greater bondage attached, it seems, but if you're out of, out of sorts with the Word of God or out of the will of God and missing the mark in the standard, the standard is there to correct all of us. Exactly. Not just some of us. The people, though, who are asking to be tolerated or accepted are literally the most intolerant people on the planet. You used some terms yesterday. We were talking about the intimidation and then the capitulation. Well, where the, the crowd is going now with the gay revolution is total domination. Yeah. And they want to dominate. They don't want to be, just be tolerated. They want to dominate. And they call you, as I've seen all these charges and things they send you, they're calling you every name in the book. And I mean, really intruded. It's nothing but a meanness. They're terrible representatives of something they say may have some kind of positive effect, which in fact it doesn't because the standard says it doesn't. Let me read the next four. Celebrate gender distinctions. You know, I think it's amazing that I can tell the difference in a boy and a girl, male and female. Isn't that amazing? And I really think God did good work. I mean, that's the biggest <laughs> high five ever. God, way to go. I mean, he really did something marvelous there. Celebrate gender distinctions. It's a boy. It's a girl. <laughs> What are they going to say now? Well, you, know, you're you're you shouldn't oh, say I that. Know that. <laughs> I've got quotes in the book where it says that you are hurting I kids by so saying odd. it's a boy or it's a girl. I've got quotes in the book attacking, quote, the gender binary. There are kids who say, I don't want to be called boy or girl or he or she. One kid says, call me tractor. Okay. And these kids, listen, they are, it's all in the book. They are considered cutting edge, gender fluid. Look, Facebook came up with 50 different ways to define your gender. Okay, 50, including 10 simultaneously that you could pick. Hang on, that wasn't enough. They had to add another one, fill in the blank. San Francisco has just said that all bathrooms in their schools will be gender neutral. I care about somebody like Bruce Jenner, who's obviously confused. I don't know what's happened in yeah. his life, but I, I'd love to see him whole. Without the sex change surgery, without the hormones, without wearing a dress, and, and you hear a man, seems like a man talking. He fathered a bunch of kids. See, he's always like women. Now he wants a man to date him so he can feel like a woman and feel like a normal woman. And his interviewer is saying, you are a normal woman. I care about him, but I'm not going to redefine all of society because of his struggles. Mm -mm. If you've got a deaf kid in your school, you try to work in a way that the kid can work with everyone else, but you don't force everyone to be silent and use sign language. Mm -hmm. Yet when it comes to these gender issues, it's being imposed on everybody. So principle number four is refuse to redefine marriage. When you redefine it, you render it meaningless. There's no good argument to limit it to two. There's no good argument to limit it in other ways. And then when you get to celebrate gender distinctions, this is what makes the world go around. Yeah. If we're going to declare war on boys and girls, man, we're Toys R Us yeah. now. Hey. The, the, the toy catalog, the, the toy store. No gender distinctions. I mean, it's, it's I'm social madness. I thinking about all these things when I was junior in high school. All us boys wanted to go in the girls' shower room. See, so what did that make? Us. Well, California, now you can do it. You, you, yeah, it's, it's the law. You can really play like on the, the girls' basketball team if you're a boy, if you believe you're a girl, and use the girls' locker room. And if you have a problem with it, you're a bigot. Yeah, all the guys that I ran with would have been wanting to go to California to go out there and do that. That's just, that's, that seems to me more the natural attraction. Am I wrong about that? Uh, no, of, of course you're not wrong. And the fact is, yeah, there are but kids But you should control struggle. that attraction and keep it within the boundaries of what God says. Like anything else. 
can't we recognize that somebody has a problem? Yeah. Doesn't love Not if you say, don't have a standard. Say, that identifies sir, any. sir, you don't look pretty in that dress. <laughs> you, you don't sound pretty. You, I, I care about you enough to say, you have a problem. Let's work yes. together yes, to yeah. discover the root exactly. cause and bring you wholeness. Let me read these others. Keep propagating the truth until the lies are dispelled. Factor in, this is number seven, the God factor. Number eight, be determined to write the last chapter of the book. And I really hope you'll get Outlast of the Gay Revolution. It's in the bookstores. You can get it online, but we will actually send you a copy of it. If in a moment when I show you what you can do right now, that totally transforms something for an individual, not only now, but forever. Touch on any one of those. We only have a couple of minutes left. All right, how about, I'll, I'll go real quick. Keep propagating the truth until the lies are dispelled. Although there's tremendous sincerity among gay activists, and sometimes the anger towards us is masking a hurt that they feel rejection from the church, we always have to remember what's really going on there. But a lot of the foundations of gay activism are based on lies. The idea that one in 10 is gay. The idea that gay is the new black. The easiest way to dispel the idea that gay is the new black is ask a black person, so when did you come out as black? <laughs> so, okay, maybe it's not, maybe we're not comparing the same thing there. So I go through some of the principal lies on that gay activism is built on and dispel them with the truth and factor in the God factor. What about God, what could he do? You know awakenings, revival, how they can change a whole nation, a culture. 1966, April, Time Magazine, cover story, Is God Dead? Five years later, June 1971, Time Magazine, cover story, The Jesus Revolution. We need to look at this not just politically, not just sociologically, not just demographically. We need to look at this with prayer. We need to say, I believe God can invade our society. And just like I got saved in 71, drug-using hippie, LSD-using, heroin-shooting, 16-year-old hippie rock drummer, I was part of the Jesus Revolution. All these hippies, radicals, rebels around the world swept into the kingdom. I believe God's going to do that with homosexual men and women, gays, bisexuals, transgenders. And our churches are going to have to get ready. Here's a man wearing a dress with his hands raised, praising the Lord. What do you do? Take him out to lunch. And when the kids say, why is he wearing a dress? He's confused. Pray for him. Here's a gay couple, two guys holding hands, speaking in tongue. What? You yell at them? No, no, no. Reach out to them. Bring them to a place where they really know the Lord and can come to repentance and experience something genuine and maybe not what they're doing. Factor in the God factor. God can shift society, turn things, and then be determined to write the last chapter of the book. You know, you mentioned the domination thing, and I've seen it, that those calling for tolerance are intolerant. Those saying we want to be inclusive are exclusive. Those who say diversity, it's my way or the highway. And they will not be satisfied. I'm talking about radical gay activists. They will not be satisfied until the church bows down, until the church says we will embrace your marriages, until the church says homosexual practice is acceptable in committed relationships. doesn't matter how many victories they've won. As long as we are here, we're like Mordecai who wouldn't bow down to Haman. My proclamation, and I'm shouting it around the world, Mordecai will not bow. Amen. In the name of Jesus, by the strength and grace of God, we will not bow. We will not back down. We will not cave in. We are determined to write the last chapter of the book. And I firmly believe unless Jesus comes first, we are going to see society turned. You bear witness. I really do appreciate Dr. Michael Brown. The book is in the bookstores. Michael, we're going to let our viewers see something that I believe many of them tune in to see. I honestly believe they watch to, to be loved, to sense love, but I also think they watch because they want to express love. Mm. I really believe 
the main reason you may be watching is so God can release his love through you. And right here may be a place it starts. I want you to watch closely and just see if there's not a flow of God's love about to flow through you like a river. Watch closely. name is Esperanza. Her name means hope. And she's reaching out to me in spite of the condition of her body that is so malnourished. She keeps touching me, reaching for my hand. Everything in her is crying out, help me, help me. And looking for change. This is unjust for a child to suffer like this. I can't stand it. I can't stand to watch it happening. And I have hope for her. Yes, I do. I have hope for you. And I have hope for other children. We can catch this sooner. We can get to them sooner and turn the whole situation around for their lives. They don't have to suffer like this. We've got to help these children. We'll do this together. Yes. We'll do this together. Look at this. Yeah. She's fighting to live. This little one is fighting to live. Our little baby's reaching up. Jeannie knows it. What do you see? What happens in your heart, Betty? Well, the last thing Jeannie said is, we'll do this together. That's you and me and everyone watching. We can do this together. We can make the difference between life and death for these precious children just by offering them nutrition, by giving them the food that they need before they get to the state that this precious little baby was. I hope that little baby makes it. I know Jeannie does. And if you'll join with us, we can meet that need together. Every one of these babies that are suffering because they don't have any food to eat, they're dying because they don't have food to eat. Won't you join with us and let's do it together? Every one of those little babies like that that got helped, they were not only touched by somebody like Jeannie, they were touched by a missionary relief worker that was supported by someone who touched them with love in the form of a gift. I can so well remember Peter Pretorius and the missionaries when Betty and I said, we'll stay over here with you and help you. And they said, please don't. Please go back home and tell what's here so we can stay and not be empty handed. We can help them. And we came back to you not knowing whether you'd help. But thank you. Because somebody like you said, Jeannie, I'll save that little baby. You're seeing the little baby down on the screen again. Look at her. She's representing so many. Would you say, I'll help. 
We do not exaggerate when we tell you that for $30, $50, or $100, we can feed three, five, or 10 children for several months. The dollar goes a long way on the mission field, and it is so effective. We will first show them the love of God. We will love them not in word only, but in deed, in action, compassion. And we will keep those missionaries and relief workers putting the arms of God's love around children like that, that you wanted to pick up, just like Jeannie did, and that child reaching up. Reaching up not just to Jeannie, not just to the missionaries that are there, but reaching up to you to be the answer to the need of that child and for the support of the missionaries to do it. Would you go to lifetoday.org? Please go. Take a bank card with you and make the largest gift you can, knowing that 30, 50, or 100, we feed three, five, or 10 children. I would ask you to give 1,000, help us care for 100. Keep this in mind. We got a, a very special need. We must replace eight 10 ton trucks and more than 70,000 of the little plastic bowls that you, the viewer, ask us to give the children. Now we need to replace them in many areas and going into new areas. That's a tremendous amount. Would you? Make the largest gift you can, please. Do it online or dial that number and take your bank card right now and use it like a check, please. We have some special gifts to send you to say thank you, but you're giving the greatest gift. You're giving the gift of life and you're expressing the love of God. Thank you for doing it. Please do it and pray many will join you. Disease, malnutrition, starvation, all terrible human atrocities being faced every day by people living in remote and impoverished areas of Africa. And those at greatest risk are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, able to feed and care for over 400,000 children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With previous food reserves gone and malnutrition levels in Angola rising due to increased food scarcity, we desperately need to replenish our supplies for our feeding programs immediately. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Also, please consider an additional gift toward our $316,000 goal to provide eight all-wheel drive trucks and 76,000 new bowls for the children. As our thank you, we'll send you this soft-cover journal Bible featuring the Gospels, Psalms, and Proverbs for your devotional time in the Word. With your gift of $100 or more to help feed 10 children, please request the complete Holy Bible Journal Edition, perfect for keeping notes and insights as you read and study. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed 100 children, you may request this beautifully framed canvas print of The Forest Chapel by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, Betty and I say thank you so much for literally picking up precious little children. And we've mentioned the Bible and the, the, the journal edition, the Thomas Kincaid Forest Chapel, if you'd like to have it. But also, this book is in the bookstores, Outlasting the Gay Revolution. And that's not like some battle. This is like being a light that illuminates the way and shares the love. It's, it's, it's in, in incredible inspiration. You'd like to have it and you just help us love others over there and those tremendous areas of need, we'll send it to you to say thanks. And I hope you'll really be praying for our missionaries and for all those who are trying to help. And we say thank you. Would you join me in me? Thank you, Dr. Michael Brown. Doc, thank you. I really appreciate you. I believe he has such a prophetic word for us today. A honing word to sharpen us all with holy friction. 
and you pray for Michael Brown. Line of Fire radio program. Watch to listen and uh, pray for him. Thank you for watching. Thanks for helping. is adultery. Tomorrow, Beth Moore explains how Christians bear the mark of God. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.